You're listening to the Detroit Worldwide Podcast, where we highlight the stories of Native Detroiters that are doing great things in their community and using their impact across the globe. I'm Marquise Taylor. Welcome to the D. What up, though? Welcome to another installment of the Detroit Worldwide Podcast. I am Marquise Taylor. And on this week's edition of the podcast, we had the opportunity to sit down with someone that is doing some monumental work in the field of medicine and entrepreneurship. Joining us on the podcast this week is Dr. Cassandra Scales. And in this particular conversation, you are going to learn about all of the amazing work that Dr. Scales is doing. She is a surgeon and full-time OBGYN physician in the DMV area. She is also the co-founder of an e-commerce brand and store called Be Bougie. They sell statement t-shirts. They sell coffee mugs and other dope merchandise. One of the fascinating things about that business is that for every purchase, they donate 10% to Detroit-based nonprofit organizations, including the Pretty Brown Girls Foundation. In fact, we have a promo code for our listeners to save 15% on their next order. Head over to bougie.com. Enter the promo code WhatUpDoe to save 15% on your next order. Again, head over to bougie.com. Get yourself some swag. Get yourself a coffee mug. Enter the promo code WhatUpDoe to save 15% off of your next order. Learning about Dr. Scales' transition into medicine, as well as the inspiration behind her company, was such a delight to listen to. Now, all of that being said, you have heard enough from me. So why don't we dive into the discussion that I had with the one and only Dr. Cassandra Scales. All right, this is Detroit Worldwide, and today we have the pleasure of connecting with Dr. Cassandra Scales. Dr. Scales is a physician out in the DMV area. She is also an entrepreneur. You're going to learn about her story. We're going to talk about her journey into medicine. We're going to talk about the inspiration behind her business and just everything that she is doing. So, Dr. Scales, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. What up, though? What up, though? What up, though? Thank you for having me. Much appreciated. Much appreciated. As I'm reading your bio, you are doing some amazing work. You are 
physician, OBGYN. You also have your company that you co-founded with your partner called Be Bougie. And we are going to talk about all of those amazing things, but I want to connect you to our listening audience in hopes that they can learn more about you. So why don't you begin by telling them more about yourself and just all of the amazing work that you're doing. Okay, great. So I am Cassandra. I am an OBGYN physician that works in the D.C., Maryland, and Virginia area, most commonly known as the DMV. But I was born and raised in Detroit, West Side, Seven Mile, and Evergreen. So I have, you got to be specific because, you know, sometimes people say you're from Detroit and then you need to ask them what side they're from. West Side. So I grew up with my mom and my dad. My dad was a truck driver. My mom was actually a principal in Southwest Detroit. And my brother, who was a firefighter, he actually just retired. I love to talk about kind of being a doctor. So one of the things that I decided that I wanted to do was to be an advocate for women and for underserved kind of all my life. Just growing up in the church, growing up in the inner city of Detroit, I saw a lot of things that could have been better and I wanted to be a part of that conversation. And so what I ended up doing was getting my master's in public health actually at Columbia first, because what I did realize was living in Detroit, that going to the grocery store in the suburbs was not normal. I didn't realize that going to a nice mall in the suburbs was not normal and how structural racism and built environments can impact people's health overall. So I went to Columbia to get my master's in public health to learn about those things and really kind of just brought in my mind about looking at systems and looking at processes. I still wanted to be a doctor, so I ended up going to New York to get my medical degree in Syracuse, New York for residency as well as OBGYN. And there I learned a lot about disparities in healthcare. I learned about just disparities in women's health and really wanted to be an advocate for that. And then from there, I just kind of took all the things that I learned from my life and just kind of put it all into one. So now I practice as a general OBGYN. So I deliver babies, but I also do surgery, which is really fun. And I also have a side hustle, which is an online e-commerce company called Be Bougie. And so that particular company is really kind of just my passion project that helps to inspire women, both young and old, to be unapologetically themselves and to have higher standards of living. I love it. I love it. So much to unpack here. I mean, the fact that you are not only an entrepreneur, but you're also a doctor, a surgeon, and you have, you know, traveled across the country, particularly on the East Coast of the country. So I know you spoke about growing up on the West Side, but what was your experience like growing up in the city of Detroit? You know, I think my experience in growing up in Detroit was a very well-rounded experience. So I will have to credit my parents for this. So I was technically middle-class, but I didn't grow up like a middle-class person. So I didn't live in, you know, the more affluent areas. I lived in a regular neighborhood with regular folk. And it was really good because I got to see all different types of ways that people survived and the way that they thrived. The church that I went to was off of Livernois. And so um, there were people that didn't have two pennies to rub together to people that were in professional degrees, but then also that were impacting policy. So I really got to see how people interacted with each other and just the humanism that is a part of living in a diverse city. 
I was able to participate in a lot of free programs. So my mom was the queen of free programs. So I learned how to play golf by going to Harper Woods. And there was a free program to learn how to play golf for black kids. And that was like my thing. I got to, you know, learn how to dance and do stuff in the suburbs. So I got a little bit of that too. But it was, it, it was good. Like I went to a private school for elementary and then middle school, but then I went to Cass Tech for high school. So I got to get dropped off, but then also had to ride the bus. I had to deal with homeless people, but then I also got to deal with other people that had means. So I feel like my experience in Detroit and living in Detroit allowed me perspective so that when I was able to get out into other parts of the country and to interact with people that were not from the area, that I could provide that balance for them. You spoke about just your upbringing in Detroit, but what did Black excellence look like for you coming up? Mm. You know, Black excellence to me was more than just monetary. Black excellence for me was more than just degrees because I was blessed enough to be surrounded by a village of folks that had gifts on so many levels. And so I'll give my church as an example because it was truly a foundation of where I grew up. And I was able to learn and to grow from just life lessons that people had to tell me about their struggles. And to me, that allowed me to have Black excellence because I was able to be more empathetic to people. I had exposure and experiences, not necessarily directly with doctors because nobody in my family was doctors, but there was a dermatologist that I was able to be able to shadow and to mentor because I was at my church and my godmother just happened to work for Heidelberg Dermatology, which is a popular dermatologist in Detroit. And they took me under their wing to say, okay, here's this little black girl that wants to be a doctor. Let me give you a white coat so you can see what it feels like. Let's have you go into a room and talk to a patient so that you can have that confidence. Black excellence for me was the women that were able to pour into me what my parents could not. Black excellence for me was to have the exposure, like I said, to different things. So like playing golf or doing the arts or whatever. And it was very much so rooted in who I was. And I didn't know anything about the sororities or fraternities because I didn't do Jack and Jill. I didn't do, you know, Delta Gems or, you know, whatever, debutantes and all that stuff. But the people that are around me were those things. They just showed it to me with love and not necessarily with symbols. Hmm. Your background is just so fascinating. I mean, I'm learning more about you, obviously, beyond your bio that you provided. But I like the examples that you use and how people invest their time in you. You mentioned like the dermatologists and just the people who really saw something into you. And I think that's what Detroit is all about. Like Black excellence is all around us, whether it's, you know, someone working at the grocery store to somebody being a dentist to your example as a dermatologist. But so much there. My neighbor across the street from me, he he worked as a, um, I actually forgot what he did, but he made a point when I decided when I was 10 to say I wanted to be a doctor. He said, every day when you come out that door, I'm going to call you doctor. And he said, I'm going to call you doctor until you become one. And boy, when I tell you, when I graduated from medical school, that first thing I wanted to do was run across the street and just tell him that I did it. And it makes me cry because it was the community that believed in this little girl and the community that showed me that no matter what, no matter what your situation is, you can do it. And I'm going to pour into you to make it happen. 
And if I can't pour into you financially, I'm going to pour into you mentally. I'm going to pour into you spiritually. That like really warms my heart. Just kind of continuing on to that, like, how did that make you feel when you finally did it? Were you able to tell your neighbor? Yes, I was. I was able to tell my neighbor. I was able to share that experience with him, but then also with everybody else that poured into me along the way. To the mothers that gave me the quarters for um, when there were quarters to go to do wash machine for college and they didn't have nothing else but to give me a, a roll of quarters. Thank you to like all of the aunts and uncles that, you know, may not have had the opportunity to go to college, I did that for them. And so it was it was truly like a, a monumental occasion to the point where my aunt actually rented a charter bus and got everybody down there that she could fit on this literal charter bus to see me graduate. And at first I was embarrassed because I didn't know where to put a charter bus. I had to do a lot of negotiations and I was like, okay, why are y'all coming like this? But now I wouldn't change that experience for the world because I had the most people at the graduation on that day. And it was just, it was beautiful. Mm, about to make me crawl on my podcast. Dang. Oh no, don't <laughs> cry. But it's emotional because we think about these things where we are a unit, right? We are, we are attached to our roots in so many different ways. And just even now as a doctor, when I walk in through the door and they see this brown face and it's another brown face looking back at me, it's just a smile and a comfort. And that is something that is just deeper than anything that I can imagine. I know that you are a graduate of Cass Technical High School. Oh, Lord. Yes, I am. <laughs> Always. Every day. You are also a graduate of Michigan State University. That's so right. I am curious to know in what ways did Michigan State prepare you for success and excellence down the road? Oh, that's a great question. So I will say that Michigan State prepared me for success in multiple ways. The first is pipeline programs. So pipeline programs are essential and needed for students of color, I think, to survive and thrive in most predominantly white institutions because it's a culture shock. So I went from being in a school where there was all black folks and that's all I saw to being thrusted into an institution where there was 40,000 people and majority of them didn't look like me. And so pipeline programs allowed me to be able to have a, a more comfortable space where I felt like I could ask questions, where they showed me the technical skills that I needed to be able to thrive. So to sit in the front, Make sure you show up to class, make sure you participate in the teacher assistant programs, all of that kind of stuff to be an active and engaged student. And that training allowed me to take some of those same skills to graduate school and then to get my doctorate. The other ways that Michigan State provided a pathway for success down the line was actually pledging my sorority. So I am a member of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated. And through that experience, both through and after, I was able to learn resilience. I was able to learn how to be a professional. I was actually elected to be, while I was an undergrad, to be the national second vice president of Delta Sigma Theta. And that's the third highest ranking position within the organization. I was elected to that. And so that allowed me the opportunity to sit on the board with people like now Congresswoman Marsha Fudge and to have conversations with her and debates and to engage and to be able to present and to know how to do the things that I needed to do so that if I were to end up in a corporate room or if I would end up in some place of negotiation that you couldn't tell me nothing, no was not an answer for me. 
following the completion of your degree, I believe you graduated a bachelor's in physiology, correct? Yeah, bachelor's of science, pre-med, human physiology. Okay, so following the completion of your bachelor's degree, uh, you moved to the East Coast to pursue a career in medicine. So tell us more about your journey into medicine and now what it means to be a Black woman physician. Okay, so I think my story into medicine was actually interesting because it wasn't traditional. So most of the time people will go through undergrad and then they'll go straight to medical school. I didn't do that. I took a gap year, partly because in my role when I was on the National Board for Delta Sigma Theta, it required a lot of traveling. So I was tired, (laughs) to be quite honest. And I learned that with my pre-med human physiology degree, Bachelor of Science, I couldn't do nothing except for get a PhD and go to medical school. So what did I do in that gap year? I actually worked at K. Jewelers at Fairlane Mall for a little bit. And then I ended up moving to D.C. to work for Delta's nonprofit arm, the Delta Research Educational Foundation, their science and educational everyday experiences program to teach African-American kids about science using things found in the home. And so from that, I learned that you can impact more than just one person if you do things in a systematic way. And so then I decided I wanted to get my master's in public health. So then that's when I went to Columbia in New York. And that was a two year program. And so while I was there, I qualified for in-state tuition and Columbia is expensive and I did not want to pay no more expensive tuition bills. So I decided to go to a state school. So when I went to state school at Syracuse, I was able to get a scholarship, which was helpful. And that allowed me the opportunity to be able to just grow and to become an advocate um, because I knew that medicine was more than just one person in front of you. It was a system that impacts the healthcare system. And so I I got involved nationally with different organizations and currently right now uh, nationally involved with the American Congress of Obstetrics and Gynecology, which is the OBGYN kind of organization. And then I'm also on the House of Delegates for the American Medical Association, which people can see all the time on the news about advocating for patients as well as for physicians. And so being a Black woman physician in those spaces is extremely important. Being a Black woman physician to discuss both the dichotomy of being Black, but also being a woman is extremely important. And using all of the experiences that I've had, even from undergrad, like I said before, with Delta Sigma Theta, as well as at Michigan State, to growing up in the inner city of Detroit, it's a well-rounded experience that I'm glad to just have a seat at the table. Speaking of having a seat at the table, one thing that I find very dope about you is the fact that you are willing to advocate on behalf of people as a black woman physician. How does it feel to advocate on behalf of others, especially those who are coming from underrepresented and marginalized backgrounds? It feels good. So when I was in my public health program, it was actually in 2005, and that was when Hurricane Katrina hit. And so one of the things that you learn in public health is kind of how does the system impact health? And I remember going to happy hour with one of my advisors, and so we were talking about how sad it was that the hurricane came and you know how many people were so displaced. And so she asked a question that was pretty profound for me. And her question was, well, yeah, it's sad, but what are you going to do about it? And then she just looked at me, nothing else. There was no follow-up, just looked at me. And I said, I don't know, I'll be back. So I left and then I ended up brainstorming an idea. We created this organization called Golf Course Recovers and we were able to partner with community-based organizations that were working with 
displaced survivors. And so through that organization and through that experience, I learned that as an advocate, you cannot tell the community what they need. You need to ask them what they need and then help them to meet those needs. And so I really, you know, gained from talking to survivors of Hurricane Katrina to volunteering down there and seeing just the living conditions that they were in to presenting actually my work that I did in Cairo, Egypt, about how marginalized and displaced communities are similar regardless of where you are and just how it's important to be able to engage them. Passing that on to when I became a medical student and I was a physician, I sit on places where policies are being made. And so what that does for me is it allows me to be a part of the conversation for things to come. So if we see that there's a problem, how do we change the system so that those that are working on it from the ground up are able to thrive and survive? And so from that, there's a lot of nuances that come into that, a lot of wordsmithing, but those words matter. So a must is way more important than a maybe or a may or a shall. And that is something that I do take pride in. Now, how I get the balance, because it takes a lot of time for policies to be enacted, and that's something that we all have experienced. I get the satisfaction of seeing patients every day. And so when I see a patient on a day-to-day basis, I know that I can work on what they're going through right now, but then I can also be a voice for them in other rooms and other spaces because I have that experience to be able to bring to them. I also sit on the diversity, equity, inclusion committees for different things, as well as patient safety councils. So I bring all of those kind of individual experiences, but also those policy things at the table. Now, I do want to go to 2019 because that was a very big year for you. In that year, you and your business partner, Allison, who is also a fellow physician, co-founded your company, Be Bougie. So I was wondering if you can tell us a little bit more about that business and what inspired you to launch it. So Be Bougie came out of a joke, actually. So one of my good friends, Allison, who's also my business partner, had a conversation with a friend of hers about a guy that she wanted to date. And so she started to inquire about, you know, kind of different standards. And so her friend ended up calling her real bougie, like she was being too picky about the guy. And so I thought it was funny. So she ended up deciding that she wanted to make me a shirt because I get picked on about the type of teas that I drink to the type of stationery that I pick you name it, I get picked on about it. And so she wanted to make me a t-shirt for Christmas. She couldn't find one. And so she was able to go online and you can find anything on Google University and decided that, hey, there's a way that you can make a t-shirt company. So she said, instead of giving you a t-shirt, what about a business? And I said, oh, okay, that'll be fun. And so we decided to create this business called Be Bougie. And why did we choose Be Bougie? Because we just got tired of people calling us bougie, to be quite honest with you. And we wanted to get an LLC and to capitalize on that. (laughs) But as we started to talk about it, we really wanted to kind of delve into what does it mean when people say that you're bougie? And so for some people, it's kind of funny, kiki, ha-ha. And in other spaces, it's meant to say you shouldn't have or you shouldn't want more out of life. And because my expectation for you is here, your expectation shouldn't be higher than that. And I think that really kind of struck a nerve with me because growing up in the inner city of Detroit, 
people don't expect necessarily somebody from Detroit to go and then do all the things that we just talked about, right? Because the statistics will tell you that I'm not supposed to be there. The statistics will tell you that I'm supposed to have a baby at 12 and I'm supposed to not be able to achieve the certain standards in my life. But why do the statistics matter? And why should you put that label on me just because of where I come from? And why can't I be the little girl that dreams to be higher and to do more out of my life? And so that's really kind of where we took the focus of our company. So 10% of our proceeds actually go to a Detroit-based foundation called the Pretty Brown Girls Foundation. And so their job is to uplift and to elevate girls who were just like me that may or may not have had the exposure, but they have a church member or they have somebody else that tapped them on the shoulder to tell them that they can. Because honestly, we need more confident women and young girls out there in the world. And once you get out there into the space where you are the only or you are the few, you need to be very much so confident in who you are and have higher standards about your life. So. Our teas are very much so statements and reflection upon that. We have different collections that are from hashtag blessed because we are so blessed to be here to the high and mighty because, you know, we got our little tubes too. But it is very, very fun and we love it, love it, love it. And one follow-up question I do have for you. What have you been able to learn about yourself during this process and going over into entrepreneurship? I learned or I am learning that there is a lot to life outside of your nine to five and that a lot of us, we spend and we identify ourselves with our jobs. And so sometimes that's enough, but sometimes it's not. And I like the opportunity and the option to be creative. So part of what I do as a part of the business is I do a lot of the t-shirt designs and like the marketing and ads and like all of that kind of stuff. And that just gives me a chance to escape. So, you know, we kind of talked about a lot of heavy stuff on this podcast. And so I like the opportunity to figure out fonts. I like the opportunity to look at colors and to just learn something new and to just engage with people from different areas that's just not about medicine. And so it's it's been a great experience. Most definitely. Now, do want to switch gears. And one of my favorite segments of the podcast is about music and everybody who comes on Detroit Worldwide. I ask them this following question. If they had to identify a song in their opinion that best represents Detroit, what would that song be? So, Dr. Cassandra Scales, I pose that question to you. Hit me. I am so ready for this, let me tell you. So, I was listening to your podcast, and I was like, all right, let me make sure I got my song right. And so, my song that gets me amped every single time and makes me think of home is My Eyes Don't Cry No More. And that is the classic... Detroit hustle song. You can't tell me nothing because when I have left Detroit and I go somewhere else and my eyes don't cry no more, come on, you know who's from Detroit because they will immediately start hustling. So that is my song and I'm sticking to it. Let me tell you, I have interviewed almost 70 people on this podcast. This is the first time I have heard that song mentioned And if you grew up in the 80s, I'm, you know, mid-80s baby in my late 30s. But I would hear that song every time on the radio. (laughs) Yes, I'm telling you, like, people, especially over here, like, they'll hustle to, like, everything else and, you know, do the hustle. Nah, mm -mm. give me my eyes, don't cry no more. Every day, all day, I will be out on the dance floor. I'm the Babalo boat, so I'm from the 80s, and that is what we did. That came on, that's what you do. So 
we spoke about your business and you know the stuff that you're doing as a physician but what is next and how can we as a community support the work that you are doing so i think what's next and what i would appreciate your listeners in supporting me on is actually helping to grow our company, to be honest with you. So the philanthropic arm of our company, which is to raise funds for 10% of our sales go to this particular organization, is to fund other programs. So volunteer programs like this cost money. And sometimes it costs a lot of money. And just to fund one program for them is a lot. And they have girls on the waiting list. They have schools on the waiting list. And I am hell-bent, literally, to try to make sure that we can fund at least one of those programs. So the more that we're able to sell and to get out there, the more that I'm able to put aside to be able to support them. So that would be one thing. And just to tell people about us, you can find us at www.bebougie.com and on social at shopbebougie, B-E-B-O-U-G-I-E, because there's different ways to spell bougie. So we chose that way. So that would be my ask for now. And then from an advocate standpoint, my ask is that people just be engaged. So we, you know, a lot of people were engaged from this election, but we have to stay engaged all the time because things are being made, policies are being changed, and people are trying to stop us from having our rights. And I really just appreciate people just staying engaged. Like just the the presidential election ain't it. We need to keep going. Most definitely. And I agree with you wholeheartedly on everything you just said. And we will definitely make sure that we get your social medias and stuff like that in the show notes. Is that the only place that people can find the business? Oh, yeah. On Facebook. So we have actually a book club. So if you're interested in joining us for an informal book club every other month, we go over different books. So right now we're doing Lovey's book on professional troublemaker. And last the month before last, we did Cicely Tyson's autobiography, which I highly recommend people read. But you can find us on Facebook, too. And it's the same shop. Be bougie. Okay, for sure. For sure. We make sure we get all that in the show notes. All right, Dr. Skills, final question that I have for you. And that question is simple. What does Detroit mean to you? Detroit means to me comfort. It means better made chips. It means Coney Island. It means Fago Pop. It means Lou's Deli. It means my family. It means comfort. All right. Short, sweet, simple, to the point. Dr. Cassandra Skills, thank you. Oh, so much for coming onto the podcast. I did not know that this conversation would get as deep as it did, but I like to think that this will be beneficial for somebody to listen to. And then also just the work that you're doing, both in medicine, outside of medicine. I love the fact that you are, you have an identity outside of your nine to five, whether it be through your business or even, you know, stuff you're doing at home. But saying all this to say, Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Much appreciated. No, thank you. Thank you for hosting this. I think it's so important for people to see the different faces of Detroit because I think people have in their mind the the riots and that's what they stop at is the violence, the crime and all of those things. And, and there's so much more to our city than people realize. And we are all out there making changes and making moves. You just don't know. For sure, for sure. I don't think I could have said it any better myself. Well, on behalf of Dr. Cassandra Scales, I am Marquise Taylor. This is Detroit Worldwide, and we will both holler at y'all on the other side. Peace. Peace.
loving what you're hearing, then feel free to leave us feedback. Feedback can be posted online when listening to Apple Podcasts. And while you're there, feel free to leave a review as well. You can also find us on the gram at Detroit Worldwide Podcast and on Twitter at Detroit World Pod. This platform would not exist without your support. I thank you.